Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thank you for being here with us today. We appreciate the time that you take out of your day to enhance yourself. Um, and we, you know, really, I got to say, it's awe-inspiring, really, that you have chosen this time to be able to, uh, you know, invest in yourself and use the people and the resources that we bring to you as part of that personal growth pattern. So thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, personally, and I know that all of our authors that we've brought on, all of my amazing guests, we have so many cool things uh, in store for you over the course of just the rest of this year, even in just the next couple of weeks and months. We always want to bring you not only amazing best-selling authors, great, phenomenal books that you should read, but we want to bring to you things that are going to help you grow in your life and your business. I've said it before, but you know it, it's worth repeating. At the end of the day, ultimately, we have to understand that our life shines out in our business and our business comes through in our life. So in other words, if you are you know, having problems at home, you are uh, not growing as a person, it will show up in your business. It absolutely, 100% will um, you know, become apparent to people who um, are watching your business from the outside and even sometimes the people inside of your business that there are some things going on in your life personally. Uh, they may not know it. They may not even necessarily know that, um, you know, to quote the old phrase, uh, because the fish stinks from the head down, that um, the the stink, if you will, is coming from, uh, you know, from something that's happening with you personally. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, that less than-ness in your personal life will show up in your business and people will recognize it. Whether it be things like, um, you know, if you're having trouble in, say, your marriage or uh, you're not embracing personal growth, you will miss things. And so it may be that, you know, you feel like you're doing an amazing job at work in spite of the fact that you are, for example, not spending quality time with your wife. It's an easy thing to do, um, whether husband or wife, to uh, take for granted that our spouse is going to be there whenever we, quote unquote, get around to them um, is a very dangerous 
and really honestly the only word that comes to mind is stupid way to to think because people will find um, others when we're not fulfilling the role that we're supposed to fill in their life. And that doesn't mean that I'm talking about, you know, necessarily a person having an affair or those kind of things. That person at home may just be a very high quality person in all that they're doing, but that makes it even worse. So here's a perfect example. All right. So you have kind of taken for granted. You've hit a certain plateau, you're doing really good, and you stop embracing personal growth. You stop growing as a person. Um, your spouse on the other, and, and through that, you're also avoiding um, not spending as much time at home with your spouse as you should. Um, in the meantime, your spouse is really digging deep, going down deep to that personal stuff that we all have, um, and really bringing it out too late, getting it worked on, getting over it, beyond it, past it, whatever is necessary. Um, you know, sometimes that hard work of forgiveness and things like that. And if your spouse at home is doing that and you're not, that is a recipe long term for problems because she's going to outgrow you. Um, or if it's, you know, roles reversed and it's a guy, um, it doesn't matter. Um, your spouse is going to outgrow you if they're continuing to grow and you're comfortable where you're at. See what I'm saying? Does that make sense? You see, at the end of the day, um, life happens. And I'm not saying that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can be in personal development. None of us can. It's just not real. It's not possible to not have things that distract you in life. Um, but you need to have an intentional personal growth plan that you are constantly and consistently doing, uh, you know, on a regular basis. Uh, you know, whether, I mean, I want to see you include in there things like retreats, um, they don't necessarily have to be uh, Tony Robbins or Lisa Nichols or Aaron Walker or any of those kind of people's personal growth retreats. They could be, you know, you and the Bible or um, Think and Grow Rich or any one of the amazing books that I could name off to you away in a cabin by yourself growing. Um, it could definitely be you and your spouse taking a weekend off. Um, and instead of going to, you know, Kathy and I like to go to the casino, even sometimes when we never make it down to the casino floor because, um, you know, you can get some pretty good rates at a casino hotel. Um, if you go on, on a regular basis, we like to try to get away at least twice a year, preferably quarterly. Um, and there's something to be said for that concept of... Um, not uh, going with the intent of being entertained, but rather with the intent of growing together. I can think of some of the best times Kathy and I have had together growing in our relationship. And they've been, uh, you know, one, I, one that just immediately pops into my mind is sitting 
in one of the junior suites um, at uh, Chinook Winds in um, Lincoln City, um, Oregon. We, you know, we went there several times. Really great view of the ocean, watching the ocean waves crash. You know, have the door open a little bit so you can smell that salt sea air. Have the, um, you know, electric or gas, whatever it is, fireplace going and, and hearing that modified crackling sound. You know, it isn't wood, but, you know, you still get kind of that sound and that feel. Um, and then just really sitting next to each other, across from each other at a table, and really taking some time to talk to each other. Um, and, and so we need that as couples, too, and we need it individually. We need it as companies. You know, your company needs to have personal growth for each of the individuals and and, and growth uh, from a personal growth, personal development, if you will, standpoint as part of how you run your company. Um, we need all of those kind of things. Um, because if we don't, going back to what I said a few minutes ago, Stuff comes up in life. If we don't have a plan ahead of time, then when that stuff comes up in life, it's going to totally hijack everything we wanted to do, we intended to do, but we never got round to it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we very quickly find ourselves uh, plateaued and being comfortable, um, even sometimes taking a dive. I know what it's like. I've been there. Um, you know, honestly, there was about a 10-year period where um, it was right after my parents' divorce. You know, I've been pretty open about it on on other shows. And, uh, you know, my parents probably should have gotten divorced earlier, honestly. But it both the timing of the fact that it happened less than a month, a couple of weeks, really, after Kathy and I got married... Um, you know, and the fact that I had just been through so much personally with the struggles in their relationship, it really rocked me in. And it took me a good about 10 years to really intentionally stand back up. Um, it wasn't that I couldn't have done it sooner. It was that it became a really convenient excuse to be broken, um, which, by the way, also leads to brokenness. Um, and... I'm sure you've had those things in your life too. Sometimes, you know, like you said, it isn't something that is a cataclysm per se, but you allow it to become that. And that really, more than anything, comes from taking our eye off the ball and and not having an intentional plan ahead of time. Because at the end, whether it is something huge, um, whether that's huge for you or huge, you know, for everybody in the whole world, or um, it's, it's a little, you know, stub your toe kind of an incident. Um, all distractions are equal. I don't know if you've heard me say that before. Kathy and I talk about it all the time. All distractions are equal. Even a good distraction is a distraction. So I'll give you a perfect example. You know, you've heard people talk about um, shiny bobble syndrome and things like that. But a perfect example is... Uh, you know, somebody comes to you or you're at a conference and you hear an idea and you're like, oh man, I want to implement that in my company. And you, and you get all excited about it and it's new and it's, it's exciting. Um, but what you didn't stop to look at was the fact that it's a complete left turn at Albuquerque. You know, you are now 
100% distracted from what you were intending to do, from the plan that you had, from what, and here's the big one, from what has been working. Now, I'm not saying don't do or even try other things in your business, but don't sacrifice the things that have been working in order to try or do other things in your business. I mean, there is definitely, you heard Jenny Thompson, um, you know, with her book, The Three-Day Business Cleanse, talk about uh, all the different projects that we need to let go and um, really just, you know, shove up about them, (laughs) as her book says. Um, But I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about things that are working, Uh, plans, procedures, policies, marketing programs, especially. That's a big one I see people do is, uh, you know, they get distracted um, and, uh, you know, the first thing they do is they change up their marketing program. It's just uh, two times when marketing programs that are working end up getting tinkered with and it really messes with the company is A, when something new and exciting, a distraction comes in, um, or B, when the money starts to back off a little bit. And then we always cut the place that we should never cut, and that's in our marketing budget. So, um, you know, we find ourselves focusing on that new and exciting thing. And here's the interesting part. That new and exciting thing may blow up. It may be amazing for a while. It may even become something that you want and need and should have as part of your company. But if you've let drop, especially the things that are already working, that you're known for, that are impactful and powerful in your company, in order to do that other thing, that's a distraction. And it's just as damaging as, you know, like you said before, uh, deciding for whatever reason to not do your marketing at all. Um, or um, having a major illness that takes you out of being able to do the day-to-day things that you do. Good distraction, good opportunity. You know, you got to break it. I'll give you a perfect example. You know, Kathy and I just moved into a new house. It's a great house. We're really happy, totally blessed to have it literally fall on our lap. But the truth of the matter is, is as good of a thing as that is, all distractions are equal. And it meant time that we weren't working because we were packing stuff up, time that we weren't working because we were moving, time that we weren't working because stuff wasn't set up right, Uh, times when we showed up to meetings and things that were already scheduled less than we normally would have because we moved. And I'm not saying that I regret the house at all. I'm glad we're here. But then when you come into a distraction, you can find that if you already understand up front that all distractions are equal, then when the distraction is worth it, because some of them are, um, you know, for example, I was talking a little bit ago about time away with your wife. You know, let's be honest, that's a distraction from the day-to-day things you do, but that's a necessary distraction It's a good distraction and it is something you should do. But you do also need to understand in your systems and your plan 
that when you set aside that twice a year, four times a year, once a month, to get away and spend time with your spouse. You need to have a plan that understands that that is a disruption, a distraction to what you would be doing on a normal day-to-day basis and learn how to impactfully show up in the world, in your life, in your business, in the way that you know you can with distractions already considered as you're making that plan. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I hope that helps somebody. I just really feel like there's somebody out there today that really has been struggling with, um, you know, some some of those different kinds of things. And, you know, maybe it's a shiny bobble syndrome. Maybe it's you need to be more intentional about your relationship with your spouse. And uh, you need to allow that to become a distraction. Um, whatever that might be, I hope that really helped you kind of up-level yourself um, and really look at what's going on as you uh, are pushing forward toward this thing called thriving and really truly embracing that all distractions are equal and that when we then know how to deal with distractions, we can show up powerfully in the midst of whatever might come along, whether it be your youngest daughter being diagnosed with leukemia, which we went through, you know, year, almost a year and a half ago now, and came out the other side shining. Or it be a phenomenal new house that God just drops in your lap. You can have a plan, show up powerfully, make it from where you are now to where you're going and keep moving forward because you understand that pre-planning for there to be distractions in your life is a powerful way to show up and to be a thriving entrepreneur. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to WeHelp youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back thanks for listening today to thriving entrepreneur as we talk about the distraction the disruptions in your life and how you can powerfully show up And be impactful even when those happen. Now, I gave my little soliloquy at the beginning and I want to bring on an author for you who has an amazing book that is going to be able to help you with this. The book is called Undisrupted, How Highly Effective People 
deal with disruptions. I think there's some stuff in here that's going to really help you out to understand that all distractions are equal, that disruptions are going to happen, and then really know how to deal with them effectively as we all thrive as entrepreneurs. Join me in welcoming John Vespian. Hi, John. How are you today? Hi, Steph. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you spending the time with us here today. You have, if I understand correctly, your 10th book that just came out. Yeah, I just came out. Uh, the title is uh, Undisrupted. That's awesome. So um, are all of your books on the same uh, genre or do they cover a spectrum of things? Yeah, there's a common thread uh, running through all the books. What I've been doing now for the years uh, is to go through uh, history, through hundreds of stories, hundreds of uh, biographies, and to try to extract in each book uh, principles uh, in certain areas that uh, we can apply today in the 21st century. So the books are very practical. They're very much um, uh, oriented uh, for immediate application. But uh, each book uh, contains uh, dozens of uh, small stories uh, with a lesson uh, trying to, um, to show the readers how to make uh, better decisions, uh, faster decisions, and generally speaking, to improve their businesses and their lives. And what is your background? I have a commercial background. I've, I've uh, lived in different countries. I lived in, uh, in Italy, in Spain, in France, in Germany, uh, picking up uh, some languages uh, along the way. And I've been now writing books for 10 years. Um, I started to write books a bit by chance, uh, out of uh, sheer uh, frustration, uh, because I could not find the kind of books I wanted to read, books very practical, uh, very factual, uh, there are a lot of books about uh, personal development and personal finance that are full of uh, blah, 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 but uh, you don't really get any specific advice. And I'm trying to do uh, exactly the opposite now for 10 years, uh, writing very much uh, factual, practical um, uh, books. So this new book is called Undisrupted, How Highly Effective People Deal with Disruptions. So first of all, I'd like to just kind of create a baseline of some definitions. Um, what would you define as a highly effective person? Well, someone who uh, is not um, uh, thrown away by, by problems, who can continue uh, more or less uh, calmly or, or at least without uh, going into panic uh, mode every time that uh, hits a problem. And this is something relatively rare uh, most of us uh, tend to become very emotional uh, when we face problems in our businesses or private lives. And what I have done in the book is to go through um, a lot of biographies of people who have made uh, very good decisions and very bad decisions uh, in times of uh, extreme uh, stress and to try to come up uh, with the lessons, with the principles of uh, how to improve our ability to, um, to manage under extreme pressure. I know a lot of us have pressures that come into our life. It's pretty normal as human beings. What differentiates the people who know how to uh, deal with disruptions and the ones who struggle with them? Uh, there's one principle that uh, you will find in all the stories in the book, and it's the following. Uh, people who are very good at uh, managing disruptions, uh, I'm talking in the widest sense, that uh, could be uh, sickness, could be uh, bankruptcy, could be... Uh, mistakes in business could be anything. 
people who are very good at uh, doing that, um, they tend to act always on their strengths. And people who repeatedly or, or um, uh, dramatically make uh, bad decisions, uh, they tend to improvise. Uh, they tend to panic. Uh, they tend to do things they've never done before. Uh, they tend to go to places uh, they don't know. Uh, they tend to engage in, uh, in activities uh, uh, that for them is the first time. Uh, and this is the worst possible reaction. So the principle uh, is very simple. Uh, when you're facing problems, try to rely on your strengths. The application of this principle is quite uh, challenging uh, because uh, many people don't know their strengths to start with. We tend to become uh, extremely pessimistic uh, when we face problems and some people just are too willing uh, to throw away their experience, their career, their uh, network. They don't realize the assets uh, they have and they become very depressed, very anxious about the future. And you will see in the examples, uh, we go through some examples uh, during the interview, uh, people who are very good at uh, keeping uh, calm, staying uh, relatively uh, cool uh, when they're facing problems, they always go back to their strengths. They, they bring the problems uh, they, they, in a way or they go around the problems in a way that um, eventually they are managed to, to, to act uh, in accordance to their strengths, to their assets, to their skills, uh, to their social network. If you let that go and start to improvise, uh, chances are that uh, the disasters uh, uh, will ensue. Now, everybody has situations that come up in their life. Some of them are extreme. You know, it might be a tsunami or a major uh, type of cataclysm that happens outside of our control. What does a person who knows how to deal with that and that disruption in their life, what do they do? What's some secrets that they know to employ that they can really use? One of the um, uh, recurrent uh, strategies that I, I address in the book uh, is diversification in the widest sense. Um, what people uh, don't realize, when you're, when you're having a, a normal life, so to speak, and you are healthy, uh, you have a job or you have a business and uh, you have friends and you're doing well, uh, you feel, like most of us feel, uh, we feel invulnerable. Uh, we tend to assume that uh, everything is going to continue in the same way, that uh, we will never have to face uh, severe sickness, uh, bankruptcy, uh, total collapse, or, or being fired uh, from a good job. And sooner or later, everybody has to face uh, these situations. And the, the strategies to prevent uh, disruption, to prevent uh, uh, total collapse, the strategies to reduce uh, vulnerability, uh, they have been known since centuries, but uh, we have to adapt them to the 21st century. Diversification in the wider sense, when I'm talking about diversifying uh, your uh, social life, to having different types of friends, to diversifying your sources of income, which seems very easy uh, to, uh, to advise. It's not so easy to implement for most people because they are taken, uh, all their time is taken by their main primary activity. And very few people have actually uh, actually make the effort uh, to create a second or a third uh, source of income. And when they have to face uh, a natural disaster, a flood, a fire, uh, whatever, 
uh, unless they have insurance, uh, they find themselves uh, destitute. While uh, if uh, you have taken the, the precaution uh, to keep uh, some money in a, sec in a safe place, uh, to open a bank account uh, in a different place, uh, to keep some money um, for uh, emergencies, uh, might be in another country, this depends where you live, because in some countries it's not so easy uh, to open uh, bank accounts uh, abroad. If you take uh, this uh, strategy of this diversification uh, seriously, uh, you will find a way to do it. And it's a pity to see that uh, so many people get their lives uh, massively disrupted when they are fired from the job, when they have to face uh, a natural disaster, a flood, a fire, or when they divorce or when they, they lose their, their friends. Uh, it's a pity that uh, it is not uh, taught at school or university that uh, uh, we have to protect, we have to reduce our vulnerability. It's part of a, of a safe, of a reasonable business strategy. Uh, to, um, most businesses will have uh, strategies of business continuity uh, during disasters. And uh, you want to keep your marketing programs, your financial programs, your uh, life going. Uh, you have to adopt some kind of uh, uh, strategy against uh, disruptions. That's really good stuff. I hope you've been taking notes. I hope that you really are digging in deep to what John's teaching us about, to what we're talking about on this whole episode. Because a highly effective person doesn't try to live a life that's distraction-free, that has no disruptions, that has nothing bad ever happen to them. You know, a lot of times we want to think that, you know, hey, that person just is born with a lucky star, you know, or something like that. But we know that's not really real. Highly effective people deal with their disruptions. And that's why they are thriving entrepreneurs. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. Today I'm talking with John Vespasian and his book, Undisrupted, How Highly Effective People Deal with Disruptions. I hope that you're listening because I really do want you to catch the fact that people that are really, really talented and really getting it done, they have distractions too. They just have learned some secrets to be able to deal with those disruptions and move forward 
in an effective and powerful way. So I know in the book, you encourage people to embrace certain types of disruptions. What kind of disruptions do you encourage people to embrace? Yeah, especially uh, there are situations when um, uh, you have no choice, especially when, when you feel you're stuck, when you're stuck in your business or you're stuck in a career and you, are, you cannot move uh, because the circumstances are, uh, are against you, because you are working in a field uh, that is uh, getting obsolete, uh, you're working in a company that is uh, losing money, uh, you have a job, and it's, it happens to be a dead-end job for whatever reason, uh, their only solution is to go through some kind of disruptions. Uh, you cannot uh, expect a miracle that uh, the whole economy is going to change uh, to make your company successful. If you're in an area or in a job or in a situation, it could be a relationship, and you're stuck, um, you have to make the decision whether you're just going to endure a misery uh, for years or to take a risk. And uh, let me just give you an example, a story from the book. Look, one of the um, uh, examples I, I, I presented in the book is the life of uh, Albert Schweitzer. Schweitzer was very famous in the 1950s and 60s uh, because he started a hospital in Africa. Uh, he was the, there uh, giving free uh, medical uh, uh, care to, um, to people living there. But few people know that uh, Schweitzer was a university professor. Uh, he was a professor in Strasbourg in France, teaching uh, theology at the university. And he had worked uh, 20 years uh, to build his career. He did a PhD. Uh, he wrote uh, several books about uh, theology. But uh, at a certain moment, he was very unhappy with his life. Uh, he wanted to do something else. He felt trapped in his job. And uh, he took, uh, after a lot of uh, discussion and reflection, he took a very radical approach and said, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go to Africa. I want to start a hospital. Uh, he tried uh, to get a job as a missionary, but he was rejected uh, because as a professor, he didn't have any skills he could use in Africa. So eventually he quit his job. He uh, got into the faculty of medicine. He got a medical degree, took him uh, four years. And he got his job and he went to Africa. Now, he said this is a major disruption. But the lesson from the book, from the story, is that uh, Schweitzer uh, covered his downside. And this is um, something super important that uh, you have to do when you go through these kind of disruptions. Schweitzer knew that he was very likely to fail because the, the kind of uh, disruptions he was getting through was huge. I mean, uh, all his friends were against it. Uh, his family were against, was against it. Uh, his colleagues at the university, they told him he was a fool, that he was quitting a very good job just to go to Africa. And Schweitzer, what he did very cleverly uh, was to keep uh, his assets uh, protected. And Schweitzer was a very good um, uh, player at the organ. He played in the, in the, in the cathedral every, every Sunday. He played the organ. He had been playing the organ for years. He had the reputation of being a, a great uh, organist. So what he did when he went to Africa in the middle of nowhere, because he started his hospital in a village in West Africa, he bought uh, a second-hand piano, uh, an upright piano. Uh, it was very cheap, and he took it uh, with him to Africa. And he would play every day for one hour just to keep his, his uh, musical skills to a high level. So he knew that uh, if his hospital failed 
if he needed money, he could always go back to Europe and make money uh, playing music. And he did it uh, uh, very regularly. When he ran out of money, he would go back to Europe for a few months. He gave concerts uh, in uh, cathedrals, in churches, in France, and in Germany. He raised money and he went back to Africa. And he did it uh, for almost 30 years. And he became very successful. But the lesson is a very important lesson. Uh, when you have to go through disruptions because you have no choice, because you are stuck, uh, because you are dissatisfied with your life, or with your business, always, always uh, keep your skills uh, to a very high level, uh, protect uh, your essential assets because they will keep you, um, they will keep you calm in situations. Schweitzer was able to go through major disruptions because he always knew that he could rely on his skills as a musician. And very often he had to do so. If he had gone to Africa with, uh, with nothing, with no backup, with no way to protect uh, his downside, he would have been super stressed, so stressed he might have uh, died. And uh, some people are very foolish uh, to embark in uh, business ventures, uh, marketing ventures, without covering their downside. And this is a, a very important lesson to learn from the story. Uh, keep your skills, protect your skills, and when you go into this kind of transitions, this kind of um, uh, uh, disruptions, uh, you will be able to stay calm because you know you can always go back to your basics. You know, there's a lot of people in the world, you know, they seem to see gloom and doom around every corner. Um, they're just pessimistic by nature. What would you say to a person who is always seeing the downside of things? Yeah, it's, um, it's inevitable if we watch the news, or you just listen to the news, uh, it's inevitable to get a lot of um, uh, pessimistic information because it's part of the business. Uh, if you run a news, uh, a news station, a radio station, or a TV station, uh, you have to keep people uh, hooked and you have to keep people to a certain extent uh, anxious so that uh, they watch the news. And it's not, um, I'm not saying this uh, negatively, but it's, it's normal. It's part of the business. Good news is not news. And you need to put always um, a, 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 an aspect of uh, anxiety and fear. So the, the, um, the advice in this case is that uh, you have either to uh, filter uh, the news you read and, and make sure that uh, you try to keep uh, a good balance in what you read. Uh, you can always um, uh, read different sources, uh, different stories, or otherwise that uh, you try uh, to keep uh, what you read in perspective, in historical perspectives. Just me just give you an example. Look, now in, um, in the last uh, uh, two years, uh, there are a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of anxiety about uh, international trade, a lot of anxiety about um, the impact on businesses and the impact of jobs. And this is uh, something that uh, a normal uh, business a company cannot control. It's something you have to live with. And the only thing you can do when you are dealing with this kind of um, uh, events, this kind of negative news, is to try to stay cool and to take uh, protective measures. Uh, which might be uh, to build up your your stocks, uh, your um, um, to build up uh, uh, different uh, markets, to open new markets, and to try to diversify and to cover your risk. But uh, don't go crazy uh, because of the negative news. 
because uh, we live in the 21st century, which is by far uh, the most uh, open and the most uh, entrepreneurial in history. And I think we have to put things in perspective. Even if you spend uh, the whole day watching uh, negative news, this will not uh, change the fact that uh, we live in a, in a century of amazing opportunities that uh, even 10 years ago uh, were unthinkable. So how do people that um, are highly effective, how do they deal with disasters when they come in their life? Yeah, in the, in the book I uh, present many stories of people who have been, uh, uh, become invalids, uh, people who have lost uh, use of uh, fingers, uh, they have suffered accidents. Uh, and at first sight, um, uh, what happens is that uh, they become very depressed. I think this is something that is inevitable. Uh, when you are leading a normal life and then you, you have an accident, uh, one of the stories I tell is the story of, um, of uh, Django Reinhardt. He was a guitar player, a famous guitar player, uh, in, the, in the period between the uh, First World War and Second World War. Uh, Reinhardt um, uh, suffered an accident. Uh, he, uh, he was a gypsy and he was living in one of these uh, traveling uh, caravans. Uh, they didn't have electricity in the, in the, at the time and they used uh, candles. And during the night, uh, a candle was overturned and his uh, mobile home uh, got fire and he was heavily burned. Uh, he, um, he lost uh, use of one finger and then he could not play guitar anymore. So it was, his musical career was basically finished and he was only starting. And what uh, people do in these kind of situations, um, uh, there is a, a very good strategy that uh, Rango, um, Django Reinhardt uh, employed that I think is a very good piece of advice. When you are facing these kind of problems and you, you see that uh, apparently there are no answers because uh, what do you do? You lose, uh, you play guitar, and you have one finger less, you cannot play guitar. It seems that uh, it's over. When you're facing these kind of situations that apparently have no solution, what you have to do uh, is to find in history someone who has solved a similar problem. And uh, Reinhardt uh, started to, uh, to think um, what he could do to solve the problem. Uh, he could not find any example of uh, anyone playing guitar with four fingers. But he did find uh, examples in history of people who have um, had modified uh, musical instruments uh, so that they could play um, in different, uh, with different deficiencies. So eventually Reinhardt uh, tried different uh, approaches and he came up with the approach that made him very famous that uh, if he managed uh, to play guitar 25% uh, faster than normal, he could play with four fingers. And uh, he trained, um, after he discovered the principle, he said, okay, I can do this, I can do this. Nobody has done it before, but people have done something similar in the past. So he trained uh, for six months and eventually he played very, very fast. So he could uh, compensate uh, for a missing finger. And during the next uh, 20 years, he made a lot of recordings. He became very uh, famous. He uh, made a very successful tour uh, with Duke Ellington, Ellington in the United States. And until his death, he was a very famous musician. But uh, the way he was able to deal with uh, disruptions is uh, exemplary because he employed uh, the best possible principle 
uh, try to find someone who has solved a similar problem, use the same principle uh, to solve yours. So what can the listeners do? What steps could they take to protect themselves from unseen threats and disruptions in their life? Yeah, one of the, um, uh, the things you have to do, uh, I think it's a very good practice, and I learned this uh, from an entrepreneur uh, in the 19th century. His name was uh, Robert Stephenson, and Stephenson was a financier. He was working in uh, railroads, uh, building railroad uh, lines in the, in the United Kingdom in the 19th century, and he was running projects. What he did was to raise money uh, for different uh, tracks, uh, for instance, between I don't know, Liverpool and Manchester, and put together the project. And Stevenson uh, had to, to deal with huge amount of stress uh, because uh, he had constantly uh, to run uh, huge debts in his projects, he had to raise money. He had to get uh, also a concession from the, from the uh, British Parliament uh, to build the railroad. And he was playing with uh, balls, uh, the, all the balls that were in the air all the time. And the guy was uh, running from project to project. So he had a, a huge amount of stress and a huge amount of disruptions because he also made uh, some very uh, severe mistakes. But he had a trick. He had uh, a very clever uh, way to, uh, to stay sane uh, amidst uh, this uh, horrible, uh, stressful environment. And what Stephenson did every day, he uh, broke his day uh, into segments. So for instance, uh, every morning he would spend uh, 90 minutes uh, reading uh, some book for his uh, personal development, well, history book, uh, finance, uh, law books. He would read every day for 90 minutes. Then he would go into his meetings, uh, he spent the afternoon uh, answering letters, and then he left uh, one hour in his schedule uh, to deal with emergencies. So he had to deal with a lot of emergencies during his career, but his uh, structure, uh, the structure he gave to his uh, days was very solid. It already contained uh, sufficient margins uh, to deal with emergencies. And Robert Stephenson, uh, Stephenson was able uh, to surmount uh, huge uh, problems, uh, almost he almost uh, got bankrupt uh, a couple of times, and thanks to his very uh, strict uh, uh, breakdown of his time, he always was able to maintain his routine, and he never got uh, crazy under even under extreme pressure. The book is called Undisrupted how highly effective people deal with disruptions is by John Vespasian. And I really suggest that you do go to Amazon, check out it and all of his other books. John, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the show today. Many thanks, uh, Steve. It's so exciting for me to hear all of the different ways and the different things that people bring out in their books. Um, and the cool part about it is, is, it's not like any of us have put out a book into the world and it's like, wow, I have never, ever heard anybody ever say that again. So much as it's, um, I've never heard anybody say it that way. Or the way that he helped me understand it made a difference. I hope there were some moments during this interview that you found yourself going, hey, I get that. I've got some new skills now that I can use to 
you know, maybe even intentionally do things that are disruptive in my life so that I'm growing. Um, there's an old saying that says, when a fruit is green, it's growing. And when it's ripe, it's rotten or it's beginning to rot at least. You see, we all look for that end point and it's pretty normal for all of us. We want to reach a place where life is perfect and calm and peaceful. But the truth of the matter is, is we don't ever really want to get there because that's the end of our life and that's moving on to whatever's next. We want to live and thrive in everything that we're doing right here, right now in this moment. I know that there's challenges that you have in your own life and they're different from other people, but I want you to feel encouraged that you do have the ability to rise above those things that have come up against you and you can succeed and you can live as a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to We Help youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back you've been listening today as we talk about disruption about distractions about the things that all of us have come up in our life Um, And even sometimes how we can impactfully, intentionally disrupt our norm. Um, You know, if you were to go talk to a physical trainer, a nutritionist, those kind of people, a lot of what they do is disruption on purpose. Um, You know, if you were exercising properly and eating properly and doing all that stuff to the best that you possibly could do, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really need a trainer, but all of us need coaches, and it's in different areas. You know, sometimes it's in the area of health and fitness. Maybe it's in personal development. Whatever that area that you have, um, you know, situations you're still dealing with, it's really effective and should be expected, really, that that coach is going to bring some disrupting things into your life. They need to help you not do things the way that you've always done them so that you can get different results. Remember, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different result. It really, you know, if if that's not showing that you're insane, it will drive you insane. 
trying to stay the course of something that isn't working and not make the changes that are necessary, but yet somehow expect that things are just going to all by themselves change. I remember, um, you know, one of my kids, when, when he was little, he had big dreams. Um, and I think he still has big dreams, but I'm talking specifically when he was little. He had big dreams. But in his dreams, somebody was just going to discover him. It wasn't going to be the result of hard work and a lot of self-marketing. It was just going to literally be somebody comes up to the door, knocks on the door and says, I've been looking for you. You must have what we're looking for. And that's not really the way it works in life. You know, if you want to win Publishers Clearinghouse, the first thing you have to do is you have to enter. Um, I write in my book about the fact that if you really, really, truly want to win on a lottery or things like that, that's work too. You would really need to, in order to be guaranteed to win, you'd have to do a lot of research. You'd have to spend a lot of time finding out what are your odds of winning, how many times would you have to enter in order to be guaranteed to win something, and then what's the least something that you might win? You know, are you going to spend 5,000 hours of your time and end up winning a basketball, <laughs> you, know, um, a, 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 you know, or, or a tennis racket or something like that? Um, so you really have to weigh what really needs to be done and then work effectively at it. Kathy and I were watching a show the other day and it was a bunch of criminals and they were working really, really hard to be able to steal money. Um, and then at the end of it, the, between the costs of doing it all um, and how many of them there was, it wasn't really that much money. Not for the amount of effort, especially combined with the risk. See, there is high, high risk, high reward uh, opportunities, whether they be legal or illegal. Um, and the problem with them is, is the high risk often involves betting your whole life on the possibility for that reward. Um, whereas if you invest yourself in things that are high reward, but the risk is at an acceptable level, that it's something you can afford to do. I really think that, uh, you know, you can take something powerfully from that. Um, and then beyond that, take a look at the day-to-day -day life that you have and ask yourself, um, am I too risk aversive? Am I avoiding risk because I'm afraid of the distractions, the disruptions in my life? And do I maybe need somebody to come in and disrupt me a little bit to put me on a course that is radically different from what I'm doing because what I'm doing isn't serving me. And that's the real question. You know, in the opening segment, I was talking about allowing yourself to be distracted by things that are good so much so that you stop doing the things that are already working. And I'm not talking about those kind of things as disruptions, but rather allowing yourself 
to be disrupted to the point where you stop doing things that aren't serving you and make a radical change to do something different, to be someone different and better than what you were before. I know you can do it. I believe in you. I really know that you've come through some things, that you already have had disruptions in your life, and you have come through to the other side of that. That's not saying that there won't be more that will come up in the future, but we need to celebrate you about that, and we need to also understand that there is somebody else that is making that same decision because they don't know any better. You see, you made that decision that took you on a bad course because you didn't know any better. But now you know better, and so you'll do better. And what we can do is we can share that with the world. That's what's so powerful about a book, is we can take that thing that we've been through and not have to be perfect in life, not have more things that are going to come up in our life, but simply share with the people who haven't gone through that yet what we learned, how they can maybe avoid that, save them a little bit of pain. You know, tell them, hey, when you stick your hand on a hot burner, it burns your hand. And if you leave it on there long enough, it's going to leave a permanent scar. Maybe I can help you use a hot pad so that you don't burn yourself like I did. We'd love to have you share your story with the world. You can do that simply just by joining us at Best Sellers Guild. Just go to bestsellersguild.com and share your unique brilliance with the world because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created with a purpose. You're not an accident. And the world needs you. I want you to really let that sink in because the world really does need to learn from you what you've learned thus far. Please know that Kathy and I are here to help you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur through the distractions, through the disruptions, into the successes that we know are coming your way. You can thrive in your life and business. I really hope that you'll take that to heart. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. 
Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.